Welcome back to Defeat the Darkness. This is Vivian L. Miller. I'm here with C.J. Jones. And we've got quite the adventure ahead of us because we're going to let the Holy Spirit lead. How are you doing, Cheryl? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm blessed, abundantly, highly favored, deeply loved. Amen. I know you are as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking before the podcast and um, what the Lord impressed me to discuss is the, <laughs> the spirits of apathy and complacency that uh-huh. are on the church right now. The church has always been the ones with the answer. And in the old days of the church, when, you know, in the book of Acts and even before that, the time of Jesus, people were looking to Jesus. They were looking for, to his, his disciples and to his apostles for answers because they knew that the, the anointing flowed. They didn't call it the anointing, but they knew that it flowed with those people and that those people had answers for things that looked impossible. Right. What's happened? <clears throat> I mean, really? I mean, yeah. do, they, do people look to the church now for answers? No, not as often as I used to. I mean, we, we had that discussion before, too, uh, several podcasts ago about how the church used to be highly involved in the political process, you know, mm-hmm. back in the, let's say the... 1300s 1400s 1500s probably up through the 1600s 1700s you know but it's been within the last couple hundred years to where we have seen the transformation of people seeking the advice of the church and kind of turning their attention to the advice of men right the, so the, the advice of godly men has dwindled they don't want right. to hear from godly men. God right. forbid that you actually give a God solution to a, a problem that's insurmountable in the natural. Right. Right. Because we've had, we, we've talked very much about how everything starts spiritually. It starts in the spirit. So every issue that we come across has a spiritual answer. And a spiritual root. And a spiritual root. Right. Exactly. And we need to start that's where we need to start. And we're not doing that these days. Mm-mm. Not even the church is doing that these days. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I mean, mean, it's not, it's not a laughing matter. It's not, but um, you know, when you, when you see the complacency and I've been talking about this for months, how the church has become so complacent. And when you see that it's, it's frustrating for me mm-hmm. because I know like, as you do, that we have the power and we have the authority to change things. Right. And we're not doing that. And even in a church setting for a lot of the years that I've known the Lord, I used to go to step out in faith. When I would go to step out in faith, I would be told that don't, don't mislead my people. I was told that by a pastor. Don't mislead my people. What? Standing in faith? I actually got results when we stood in faith over a car that wouldn't start. And I was pulled aside by the pastor the following week and told, don't, don't um, cause my, my people to go astray. Don't, don't build, give them with false hope. What's false about it? It worked. Right. I mean, what is false about hope as far as having hope in, in the word and hope in Jesus? Right. How can that be false? Right. You know? 
that's a, that was just something else coming out of that pastor probably yeah, it, it absolutely was it absolutely was and but that's that's what we're seeing i mean i got sent my son sent me a um a um, clip this morning of a pastor and i think he was in a foreign country because he had a, a an accent that sounded like maybe either england or maybe australia mm-hmm. but he was describing the times that we're in and I had I before I even listened to it. My son put a caption that said, "This is what the church, the pastors need to be discussing." So I listened to the the clip, and the the clip he was saying, "We are dealing with people who have sold their souls to Satan. Right. We are dealing with people who are who are completely sold out to the darkness. Right. These are not people that are going to be going to repent not easily." Right, and these are not people that that you're going to be able to change their mind by just telling them that's wrong, because yeah. these people are they're they're doing child sacrifice. They're they're involved in in the shedding of innocent blood, and he went through a whole list of things. Mm-hmm. He said, "This is what the church should be discussing," and I I went back to him and said, "Yes, but if they actually discuss it, then people are going to look to them for for solutions, and they don't have any." Oh, that's true. Now that's sad. It, absolutely it is. The Bible has not changed. Mm-mm. And Jesus was considered very radical. That's so right. if anybody's listening to us now and thinks we're radical, well, good, because that then we sound like Jesus. We're in good company. We're in very good company. <laughs> when he was at Lazarus' grave and Mary said to or not Mary, but Martha said to him, but Lord, he stinks. Mm-hmm. And he said, don't you understand? It doesn't matter. She was looking at the natural. He was looking at, I have the power to do this. Right. And Lazarus did get raised up. Yeah. Even though he stinketh. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we not seeing that stuff? Why are we still hearing about we can be you can be free of debt? How many years? Have, how many decades have I heard you can be free of debt? Oh, many, 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 many decades. Some of us actually took that to heart back in this back in the eighties. Yeah, and actually did it. Wasn't easy, but by the power of God, it was done. Right. But here we are, 2023. That's almost 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. Why are we still stuck on that? Because people are complacent. Mm-hmm. And I told you about that conversation I had with somebody that I know that I've known almost two decades. And I could tell in the conversation that the person had not activated a lot of the things that they have learned. Right. And I love that person dearly. But you can't, I can't make, you know, you, if you point something out to me that is a fault of mine, because we all have faults. Mm -hmm. So if you were to point out a fault to me and I say to you, I'm a work in progress. What am I saying to you? That you you haven't yet learned how to use that particular 
tool that you've been given. Right. And that you're still, to me, you're still kind of waiting for Mm -hmm. some miracle to happen to where you don't have really have to put in the work. Right. You know, and I think that's what the, to me, that's what a lot of Christians are doing. They're, they're thinking, well, God is all powerful. Jesus is all powerful. They'll do it when they want to. They'll make it happen with us. Yeah, but we have we have a part in that, don't you yes, know? Yes, we, we do. If we want things to change in our lives or in our situations or in our communities, our regions, our states, our nation, our families, even, our families, you know, whatever the situation is, right. if we want to me- see those changes, you know, we can't just sit back and say, "Well, God will do it in His timing." And I, I, I understand that God does have a timing. You know, there right. is Me God's too. time and there's our time. So he does have a timing, but we can't just sit here and say, oh, he'll do it when he's ready. Well, God's always ready to do it, but we have to, we have a part to play in that. We have to, to trust. We have to pray. We have to take authority. We have to do all these, these things, you know, to allow him access, access. Exactly. We give him the permission. He doesn't just do it. You know, we give him the access. And then we work along with him. It's a partnership. Right. We are joint heirs. Yes. He's not, he's, he is Lord, but we are giving him lordship by being, by being willing to do our part. Exactly. You know, I had forgotten this, this, this particular incident many years ago, many decades ago. But as you were talking, I remember this when you were talking about people have a part to play. Uh-huh. My mother had never learned to ride a bicycle and she wanted to learn to ride a bicycle. And my father said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll help you learn how to ride a bicycle. Mm-hmm. And he, we didn't have, you know, have training wheels for an adult, right? So right. he put her, he got her on the bike and he said, okay, I'm going to hold the bike up and you you pedal. And the moment you get enough momentum, it's gonna, you're going to be able to stay up on your own. I won't have to hold you. And my father, you know, began to push from the back end. And he looked down at my mother's legs and she had not, she had her feet on the pedals, but she had not taken the initiative to start pedaling. And he said to her, are you going to pedal? And she says, well, I'm moving. He says, but you have to pedal to get enough momentum that you don't need my help anymore. Right. And she said, but I'm on the bike. My feet are on the pedals. He says, but you have to press down on the pedals to get the bike moving on your own. Right. She never did learn. Oh. Because she would not pedal. (laughs) That makes... That makes, oh, wow. That is what the Lord gave me when you were talking about people not taking their part. Yeah. I love you know, the examples a, he gives me. That been, is a good, that's an excellent example. I was just sitting here kind of thinking that is such a good example because it is. eventually. And I had completely forgotten about it because I was in my, I want to say I was probably 13, 12 or 13. And I never learned to ride a bike either, but. I had some physical challenges that prevented me from having the correct balance. That's uh-huh. why I never learned. And I did try because I wanted, I wanted to be able to ride, Yeah, but I never was able to master a two wheel, a three wheel I could do, but not a two wheel. Right. But my mother had, did not have those physical challenges and she just thought it would be kind of cool if we could all 
go bike riding together because my brother rode, my father rode, but I didn't know how to do it and she didn't either. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but she never did. She gave up. Well, that's what people are doing with their with their spiritual authority. Yeah. God can only help you so much. The Holy Spirit is not the taker over of your life. Right. He is the helper, not the taker over. Yeah. He can't help something that isn't being, if you're not doing anything, what is there to help? Well, you know, here's the thing. I was reading something yesterday and I can't remember. It may have been on Instagram. I don't remember, but it was a post about, you know, God never said any of these things. You know, the Bible never says any of these things. And one of them was God helps those who help themselves. Right. My mother used to quote that to me all the time. Right. Actually, God helps those who can't help themselves, but we still have to do something, right? you know, in order to, for him to help us, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm thinking about that analogy, which is, it's just an excellent analogy, you know, and your mother not wanting to, not wanting to pedal because, hey, I am moving, you right. know, I've got motion. So I'm, I'm going to sit here and I'm like, yeah, so I'm just going to coast. Right. You can't coast. <laughs> you can't coast and, and continue and keep the momentum going. You have to pedal, you know, because what happens when you hit that hill? Right. You know, I lived on the corner when I was about seven years old. So about the age of 14 or 15, I think 15. We lived on the corner of these two very main streets and where I lived was at the bottom of a hill. And in order to to ride my bike, you know, I rode my bike mainly on the on the flat the flat road. Right. But even going, you know, in the other direction, there there was a, at one point there was a hill on, even on that road. I was surrounded by hills. I was kind of in a in a valley. I lived kind of in a in a little bit of a valley. Every road around me um, you had to ride uphill at, at some point. Right. If you're going to get go any distance at all. If you're going to get anywhere. Gonna you, flat, yeah. Flat. So when I would ride my bike, of course, I had to pedal. And I had to pedal hard up those hills. You know, it's not easy to ride a bike uphill. No, it's not. <laughs> so, you know, and you're you're huffing and you're puffing and you're pushing and you're struggling. And sometimes you you have to get off. And walk the bike up, but hey, you're still you're still going, you're right. still going up that hill. But that's just you know, it just brings back a lot of interesting memories for me of having to ride a bicycle and and really understanding that, you know, you've got to keep momentum, you've got to keep going, you've got to pedal, you've got to push, and it's it's your strength, it's you know you doing it. With the help of with the help of God getting up a hill. <laughs> right. And the momentum that is there when you start doing what you're supposed to do, what you've been been instructed to do by the Holy Spirit. Right. You start building a momentum and then the and that's when the anointing kicks in. There you go. And that's what pushes all of a sudden you're no longer rowing a boat 
or riding a bicycle by yourself, all of a sudden there's a motor on that bike. Yeah. And it just goes. Right. It's like, you know, the point I was really trying to make was that you can't coast, you know, through Christianity. You can't coast through life and expect that everything is just going to be a okay and, and smooth and work out. And, you know, we, we have to, we have certain things that we have to do. You know, if you're going downhill, sure, you can coast downhill. Anybody can coast downhill. But life just isn't like that. It's peaks and valleys, you know. But the mere fact that you're coasting downhill, we're supposed to be going out of the valley and into the victory. Right. That's up. That is up. (laughs) It is up. You know, we have this vision of, you know, our lives a lot of times and getting from point A to point B. And we often see it as a straight line. But that's just not realistic. You know, when you see it, when you actually look back on your life and you 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 see all those ups and those downs and those ups and those downs that's that's real life well you know and first timothy 6 verse 12 if you go there let me get over there in mine it says fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life wherein you are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses the good fight is the fight that's already won. Amen. If you were not, if you, it was not necessary to fight the good fight of faith, you wouldn't have said that. You would have said coast to the good fight of faith. Uh-huh. Sit still and watch as the good fight is fought before you. It doesn't say that. Read it in yours, please. What scripture are you at? It's First Timothy what? 612. Okay, here it is. It says, fight the good, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you. Hold you have, tightly. Not just right. hold on to it. <laughs> hold tightly. Why would you have to hold tightly? Well, because you don't want to, you don't want to slip off. You don't want to lose it. Correct. And if you're, if you're having to hold tightly, the reason you're holding tightly is because there is a force trying to yank it away from you. Mm-hmm. I would not need to hold tightly if, I, if no one was fighting to stop it. All right. Read that again. I had to say that because it just struck me. No, it was good. That was very good. This is uh, okay. It says fight the good fight. For the true faith, hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Right. There is nothing in the word that says coast. Mm -mm. There is nothing in the word that says, just back off, I will do this all for you. (laughs) Right. There is nothing there like that. There would be no need for faith if that were the the case. Correct. When... Goliath. I've thought a lot about David and Goliath lately mm-hmm. because David was small of stature, the youngest of his brothers, smelled like sheep, ruddy, uh-huh. wearing, wearing clothes that smelled like sheep. Yeah. 
out in the out and, and he's facing all these soldiers that have been running and hiding for 40 days and 40 nights right did he look like a like a worthy adversary to goliath absolutely not nope did he look like a, someone who was worthy of doing the fight for the all those those um israelites that were hiding for 40 days and 40 nights no the tallest handsomest of his brothers and he was there for 40 days and 40 nights hiding right so you know david had to look pretty ridiculous to his brother but what struck david was we have a covenant with god right how ridiculous is it that you're all running away when we have a covenant with god that's right that's what people are not understanding. Why would I be afraid of someone who doesn't have a covenant? I often wonder if a lot of Christians truly understand that. I don't know that they do. I, I don't think that that's really being taught, the covenant. I don't think so. I mean, in, in some denominations, it may be. I know in in our particular non-denomination, um, we're taught a lot about the covenant. However, how many people take that personally? They, I don't think they do. No. I mean, yes, we've been taught about the blood covenant. We all know about the blood covenant mm -hmm. that are in our circle. But right. how many people actually say to themselves, they're facing something that looks impossible. You've been facing some impossible impossibilities in the natural over the last several months. Mm -hmm. I would say last six months based on what I know. Yeah. It might be longer. And every single time you have leaned heavily in that. Cabinet. Yeah. How many times has God failed you so far? Zero. Zero. That's what people don't understand. When you lean heavily into that covenant that is between God and the blood and Jesus, the blood of Jesus ratified that covenant for you. All you, your part is to believe you have that protection. Right. And then do what he says. Exactly. And since he's failed you zero time, I don't know anybody else. Maybe I'm missing something, but I don't know anybody else in my entire lifetime experience that has a 100% success rate. Do you? No. And he's failed you zero times, which means he has a 100% success rate. Right. Does that mean that you're not going to experience challenges? Absolutely not. What that means is no matter what the challenge is, you're going to win. Right. And how many people really take it to heart that just because David fought Goliath and won, it's not just a cute story. It's not a cute bedtime story for your kids or your grandkids. That's right. That's right. It is an example of how to stand against the enemy when it looks impossible. Exactly. Praise the Lord. That's what, the, that's what the Old Testament is for, is for those examples. So we know if they can do it, we can do it because we have a better covenant than he did. Well, that's 100% that's true. I mean, 
<clears throat> it's not just a like you said it's not just a storybook it's not just something that we read to our kids this is real world examples of of having to stand in faith having to rely on god to get you from point a to point b and i would it it's frustrating for me a lot of the times because there are times that you know i I do lean into my covenant and I stand on it. And yes, God has never failed me. He's never failed me one time, but there have been times that I have failed that I have given up right? because it, it, in my opinion, it was taking too long. Right. Yeah. Well, now it's going to take even longer because I've got to start over. Right. And but, the enemy saw you back off that first time. Yep. So don't, no one who's ever backed off and I've done it too. So I'm, I'm not saying that I'm perfect because I'm not. I'm yeah, human being like everybody else, but nobody who's been, who's the enemy has witnessed back off when they go back to, when they decide, okay, I'm going to take, I'm girding up my loins. I'm going to go in and do this. This time I'm not backing off. Don't think it's going to be easier the second time. Cause right. he already saw you back off the first time. Right. It's going to be a lot harder the second time because he's depending on you to back off again. Exactly. And he knows at the precise moment you backed off the first time. Mm-hmm. So this time you're going to have to gird your loins and not give in when that right. pressure comes to quit. That's when you're going to have to say, okay, I'm about ready for breakthrough here. So here yes. goes. Right. That's right. It just, it doesn't get any easier. Mm-mm, it does not. And, and the more I, thing- you, you know that I've been, that I dealt with some physical things. Yeah, it started right yeah. before the end of the year, and it's only mm-hmm. been since yesterday that I felt more like myself. Right. I had to go through, I, I had vacation time, and I was not feeling well almost through the entire vacation, plus right. when I went back to work. Right. But I realized in, in looking back at it that what that was was the enemy trying to get me to quit because I couldn't do it any other way. Right. And the temptation to quit was so strong. But I had to make up my mind. That yeah. is not an option. Right. That four-letter word is not an option. Amen. It's not in my vocabulary. Yeah, we have to remove it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> remove it from your vocabulary. Mm-hmm. A lot of words we need to do that with. And I, I find myself, especially these last couple of weeks when I was dealing with that, because I haven't had to deal with a, a physical stand of faith where I was standing against symptoms like I was. Mm-hmm. I haven't had to deal with that extended an attack. And I can't even tell you how many decades it's been. Yeah. I'm looking at numbers because, because the Lord had what I've been saying to myself because of what I've been dealing with, what has come out of my mouth. I can't even count the number of times in a day over the last two, three weeks that I've been saying this. And it was out coming out of my spirit every time right. when I was ready to quit, go to numbers 23. Thank you. 
Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to read verse 19 in mine, and then I want you to read it in yours, please. Okay. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said it, and will he not do it? Has he not spoken it, and will he not make it good? And so the abbreviated version of that, because I was working during that, a lot of that time was, Lord, you said you're not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should change your mind. You will do exactly what you said. Amen. And I have said that to myself over and over and over and over to remind myself that Q-U-I-T is not an option. Right. Read that in yours, please. <clears throat> says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Mm, that's good. It is. It's a powerful scripture. And it came, like I said, out of my spirit. And I was most of the time when I heard myself quoting it under my breath, I was not able to look at the word and, and read it verbatim. Yeah. It would be when I put somebody on hold or when I, you know, was waiting for a, a call or whatever. Wow. We have to stir ourselves up. Oh, yeah. It talks about that in the New Testament, about stir yourself up. And Hebrews 10, 23 Hold fast at your confession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let me see. Hang on. Let me, let me go over here. Let me, I'm trying to find this one scripture. Hang on. I knew you were doing that. It's okay. I want to say it's... First Samuel 30, I want to say it's somewhere in here. You know, after all the things that, that David had been through and they, you know, all, all, they'd come back and to find that their, their camp had been destroyed, their women and children had been taken. And, you know, all the men were all his men were basically blaming him. There's somewhere in the scripture where it says, even with all of that going on, David encouraged himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's here in Samuel 30, one, first Samuel 30. But um, that's kind of what, 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 what it takes at times. You know, when you don't have, you don't feel like you've got anybody on your side. Nobody's supporting you except for the Lord. You know, the Lord's always there for you. But you know, people have, have abandoned to... you. Your yeah, family people... has abandoned you. Your friends have abandoned you. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Encourage yourself in the Lord. You know, when nobody else is around to do it. Well, and 1 Samuel 30, I'm looking at it too. 
and actually after he finds that everything's been taken and, and the enemy has come and, and spoiled his camp, it says in verse 8, And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And the, he answered him, Pursue, for you, have surely over, you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Yeah. So David went, and the 600 men that were with him, and came up to the brook, I can't even say that word, um, Basor, yeah. where those that were left behind stayed. And David pursued, and he and 400 men, for mm -hmm. 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go across the book Basor. So he asked the Lord what to do. That, see, that's key. Right. When it looks like everything has, has completely failed and things have not gone the way you thought they were going to go, which I've seen a lot of that in the last two years that we've been dealing with this garbage mm -hmm. um that's not the time to just take out and, and get mad and say okay i'm this is what i'm gonna do he went and asked the lord what do i do do i pursue yeah and there were times when he asked the lord that and the lord said no don't do that do this in this case he said go ahead and you will overtake and recover all wow. people are are depending on other people these days Especially yeah. Christians. Yeah. They're expecting other people. You know, Cheryl, you do my walk for me because it's gotten too hard. You've got your own walk to do. Right. You don't have time to, to take my walk. I mean, it's different. The Lord says to you, pray for Vivian. She needs your help right now. Your prayers right now. That's different. Yeah. But for, you to, for me to just abdicate my spot and say, okay, Cheryl, you're going to have to take over my whole spiritual thing right now because I'm just too tired. It's just gotten <laughs> too much. That's not your job. Nope. You, you got enough on your plate to take care of. That's right. Coming alongside of somebody because the Lord tells you to, that's one thing. Taking over for them, that's entirely something else. We are kings and priests unto our God. We're not to yeah. abdicate that throne. Right. That's the that's the complacency and the apathy that we've been talking about, where people just want you know other people to do it for them, right? And we want God to do it for us. Mm -hmm. You know, and God will said, work and, with and, you. But Lord, I'm waiting on you, and He says, "Yeah, and I'm waiting on you." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know how many times I've heard that. <laughs> yeah, right. Because uh, I've said that to the Lord many times. You know, I'm waiting on you, Lord, and He's like, "Well, I'm waiting on you." Right. And something that I've I've noticed, you know, throughout particularly the New Testament, reading through a lot of that, is that, you know, God waits for us to make the first move. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't do it first. You know, we have to exercise our faith and make the first move. And then he will come and he'll do his part. But we have to do our part first. Yep. He's like, he, I've heard it said, and it's true. He's like a chess player. He will always take his move when it's his move. Yeah. But he will never move out of, out of turn. Yeah. But this business of waiting for somebody else to do it or, and you know, as much as I love that person that I was talking to you about that situation. 
Yeah. Um, to tell somebody that I'm a work in progress is to excuse yourself for not doing what you needed to do. But yeah, I agree with you on that. Because we're all a work in progress. We're all in progress doing something. We should be progressing. It's a walk by faith, not a stand still and get stagnant by faith. Right. So we're all moving forward. We're all getting better. Right. But excusing yourself by saying, well, I'm a work in progress, that means that you don't have to do anymore. You've already done what you, what you need to do. Yeah. But if you're not getting the results that you want... Something has to change. And in my own personal life, I've never known God to say, okay, get out of the way. You're just, it's just not working for you. Let me help you. Right. He'll tell me what to do that I'm not doing, or he'll tell me to stop doing something I am doing. Right. But he's never said, get out of the way and just let me do it for you. Cause I'm fed up with watching you. <laughs> he's never said that to me never I wish kind of that he would have at times but no he's never done that tell you what life would be so much easier if he would but it's just he's just not going to do it that way mm -mm. that's not you cannot change see people understand that there's gravity that's natural law mm -hmm. people understand that it's not wise to stand in front of stand on top of a three story building and jump off Gravity right. will, will take its, its, do its part and you will get hurt. Mm -hmm. What people don't understand, and I don't know how to make them understand, but I wish I could, is that there are spiritual laws that are set in motion by what we say and do. Right. And we can cooperate with those spiritual laws and see results and always have victory. Right. Or we can work crosswise to those spiritual laws and always have defeat. It's mm -hmm. our choice. Right. If you don't know how the spiritual law works, then study the word and the Lord will show you. That's right. We're given and that choice. We are given that choice. Because that's why, why it says, you know, that he set before us this day, life and death blessings and curses you know and, and in case choose. you don't understand he then says choose life right that you and your seed may live right simple spiritual law that everybody ignores is give and it will be given to you yeah good measure pressed down shaken together running over will then give into your bosom for with the same measure you meet with all will be measured to you again right that's spiritual law what it does not say, but it, you can read it both. It goes both ways. Every scripture does. Don't give and it won't be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men will not give into your bosom. Right. For with the same measure you don't meet, it won't be measured to you. Right. Everything has a backwards and a forwards. Exactly. And yet people who know the, who say they know the Lord will not refuse to give because it's their last $2. That's the time that's, you better give. That's what I was going to say. That's when you should. Right. That's when you should give. Right. 
Because you know, if always, you give that last $2 in faith, not in fear, expecting a return, God will yeah. get you out of that situation. Well, I'm always reminded of the the old lady in the, in the Bible who gave her last, I said here last two pennies. Right. We'll call pennies. The, the two mites. Right. The two mites. Yeah. And that's all, she, that's absolutely all she had. But can you imagine what God did with those two mites? Those two, I mean, he can do more with, with less than we could with all the abundance in the world. You know, he can take, the slightest, the smallest of gifts and multiply it mm-hmm. beyond anything we could ever imagine mm-hmm. and still do more of it than what we could do, you know, if we were the wealthiest person in the world. Correct. But that, but that took faith. Did. That took faith on her part. Right. And it, she did it in faith. She yep. didn't do it to, to please anybody. She wasn't looking around to say, oh, look, I could only give two mites. Somebody better help me. She yeah. just gave it in and gave all she had. Right. And that's what that's what God looks for. He looks for that person who's going to give all they have. Mm-hmm. By faith. Mm-hmm. You, you've heard about E.V. Hill. I've told that story before. I think so. I think you've told it before. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have. The E.V. Hill, his... his he was the oldest of like, I don't know, several children. I want to say he was, se- it was several, but I don't remember how many. I want to say eight, but I don't know if that's the right number. Mm-hmm. But he was the, he was going to school and his, and his mother was, his father died and his mother was a widow and she kept sending him to school and the, the community deacons of the church came by and said, you know, he's big enough. He needs to quit going to school and start working to support your family. And she says, no, my son's getting an education. He's, he's going to go to school. And they, they argued with her. And she said, no, nope, he's going to school. And she took in washing. You know, she fed all her kids with the washing. There were many times when they didn't have enough food on the table. And she would set the table like they were getting ready to eat. And there was no food. There was nothing made because there was nothing to make. And she would just, she say, let's sit down to eat. And they would start praying over the, the plates and the, at the table. And there'd be a knock at the door and food would come. And he saw that many times. And he, he finished eighth grade and they wanted him to start working. And she said, no, he's going, he's going to finish school. Then he went to high, and he was in a one-room schoolhouse. He was the only one in his class. He was top of his class, but he was the only one in his class. Then he went on to, to go to, to go to, he completed high school again. He was the top of his class, but he was the only one in his class. And then the, the deacons mm-hmm. came again. He's big. He's grown. He needs to quit school and start supporting the family. She said, no, he's going to school. So she got him. She, she made a lunch for him and handed him like a dollar 16. It was something like that. It was dollar 16, two dollars and 16 cents, something like that. He had a bus ticket, $2.16 or $1.16, and a bag that was very greasy because she had made some hush puppies and some other things and put it in a bag. And she said, okay, you're going to school. She said, I'll be praying for you. So he goes to the college and he stands in line to register. 
and the line is really long and it, the line keeps moving and he knows he doesn't have any money to pay for his classes. And it's down to looks like one person or two people ahead of him. And this, this man comes in to the line and says, are you Hill? He says, yeah, yes, sir, I am. He says, get out of line. And his, you know, his thoughts are, oh, my God, they found out I have no money. They're going to yeah. kick me out. Uh-huh. And he says, sir, but I have to register for class. He says, are you Hill? He says, yes. He says, get out of line. So finally he gets out of line. He's shaking all over the place. And the man says, follow me. And they took him in a big office. And here he is still with that greasy bag with, you know, some food left over and the dollar 16 in his pocket. He says, um, somebody has just paid for your education. They paid for four years of education and all his books and everything. Wow. And he heard in his head, in his spirit i'll be praying what happened to that kind of faith right god has not changed what happened to that kind of faith you don't think there was pressure for him to not even go to school with his mother saying here's a dollar 16 and here's your here's your lunch here's the bus ticket go Well, that's amazing. Yeah. And he had to leave all his siblings behind with his widowed mother washing clothes for people in the in the town where they lived. Right. And the man yelling at him, get out of line when he knew he didn't have any money to register. Didn't have a place to stay, nothing. What happened to that kind of faith? I think for some people that that faith doesn't exist anymore. It hasn't changed. It hasn't. The attitude has changed. Right. The complacency and the apathy have taken over. And now people say, I'm a work in progress, and they don't bother. Yeah. God has not gotten off the throne, people. He's the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. That's right. Amen. Nothing has changed but our attitude. Right. But as a man, according to Proverbs, as a man thinks, so is he. Mm-hmm. If you think you can't do it, then you can't. You are right. Right. If you think you can, then you will, because he will see to it that you do. Yeah. The first book I ever read when I got born again, besides the Bible, was a little book that that I think Kenneth Hagin Ministries still sells called Right and Wrong Thinking. 
it's all in the way you think. Right. Because as you think, you will, you will speak and act accordingly. Right. That's, that's the scripture. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Right. That's how that book, that's where that book starts as far as scripture goes. Right. And it's been decades since I've read it. It's not that long, but it's a powerful book. The man who thinks he can't and the man who thinks he can't are both right. That's right. And that's where my books come in because people don't understand the complacency and apathy and division and criticism and accusation and condemnation and all the other spirits that operate, pride and arrogance, all the other spirits that operate rebellion, those are spirits. We have control over those spirits. Right. We can refuse to cooperate with those spirits. Amen. We can, can make them leave us alone with the power of God and the word of God. That's why it's important to know the word of God. Absolutely essential. It is not a storybook. No, it's an instruction manual. Right. And in my books, you've read my book, uh, one at least, you know that when the enemy forces are discussing the word of God, they don't call it the word of God. They call it the manual. Yeah. Because they know that it's a manual. They do. And they operate within the laws of the, the spirit to twist and, and pervert those laws to work against the people that they're, they're assigned to. Yeah. It's interesting to me, though, how many people will go out and buy a self-help book because they, they believe that they're going to find the answer to their life's issues in that self-help book. And there are literally thousands and thousands. Millions. Of There's probably there. millions of them. Millions. Yeah, you're right. Written but, by men. Written by men. Exactly. And most of them have absolutely no biblical understanding, the ones that have written these books. At all. At all. But they'll go buy these self-help books because, oh, this person wrote a book. They must have the answer. Right. Well, God wrote a book. God wrote a book. He wrote an instruction manual. It's all in there. Everything is in there. Every answer to life's issues are in those pages. You just have to read it. And it really helps to read it and meditate it mm-hmm. because reading it is like, is like getting the, getting the, the preface read on one of those books. Yeah. But when you meditate it, then the Lord begins to show you how to apply it. Right. To your own life, to what you're dealing with right this second. That's right. The spirit of God will enlighten you when you meditate it. And he will say, now, since this is true, This is how you apply it to this situation. Right. I just find it really interesting, though, you know, how, you know, people will go buy the the self-help book. You know, they're not being they're being proactive in that manner. You know, they're Mm -hmm. trying, they're seeking an answer. They're seeking it from the wrong place. Right. 
but you know they'll set aside their complacency and their apathy to go buy you know a, a self-help book and, and read through it and try to find you know that little piece of wisdom that little nugget of wisdom that's going to get them over the hump you know but if they own a bible they've had it the whole time right or they have somebody like me in their life who knows the word yeah and they won't listen if i if i if they ask me and I start to say something about the word, they shut down. I can't tell you the number of times people have asked me, what's your opinion? I said, my opinion is, opinions are like noses. Everyone has one. Yeah. <laughs> but this is what the word says. Right. And they shut down. That's right. But the word is what has the answer, not me. Yeah. People have, I've had a lot of people over the years, even people that don't know the Lord, tell me how wise I am. I tell them the true wisdom comes from God. And if you think I'm wise, it's because I'm giving you something that God has said. Right. Very few people actually hear that if I say it to them. But it's absolutely the truth. I don't take credit for it because I'm, yeah, I got it from him. Hot off the yeah. press. <laughs> Amen. And I can't count the number of people that have never understood that, even if I tell them I just got that from God. That's something He just showed me to tell you. I can't count the number of people that have not have actually understood that. Yeah. Amen. I'm just a human being who decided to take the word God, word of God seriously. And actually believe it. All right. Anyone can do that. That's right. I'm not special. To God I am, but I mean as far as one person to another, I'm not special. The word is the word. It's the most powerful thing in existence. It absolutely is. There isn't anything that is more profound and more wise than it. Right. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It is his. Love that scripture. Yes, it is his. It is him. It is. I think we've given people a lot to think about. So we're going to unhook here. And as a reminder, you can go to VivianLMiller.com. There's a lot of free resources on my website. The books are available for sale as well. You can go there and read to your heart's content the free material or you can actually buy a book. I encourage you to get in the word because that's where your victory is. So until next time, walk by faith, walk in courage, walk in victory and defeat the darkness. <laughs>